Our reading this morning is John's Gospel, chapter 1, which you can find on page 1063 in the Church Bibles. John 1, and we start at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it brings life. And thank you for how you've placed this passage of scripture on Nicola's heart to share with us. And I pray, Lord, that through all her preparation, through all the things she's uh, mined from this passage, that you would breathe your life through her, that we would meet with you, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. So I'm going to start with um, something that might be familiar, but uh, just bear with me as I, I read you these couple of lines from a poem. "'Twas Brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borough groves, and the mome wraths outgrabe." Uh, it's the first few lines from a poem called The Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll. Have you ever read anything and thought, what on earth was all that about? Let me just read you the first three verses from um, the, the beginning of John's Gospel again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. It might be very familiar to you. I had heard it at Christmas carol services every year for the first 20 odd years of my life, particularly at the traditional service of nine lessons and carols. Often it's the last reading there. I thought it was beautiful, thought it was mysterious, 
poetical, wonderful language. But what on earth did it have to do with Christmas, I thought to myself. Why was there not a baby Jesus there? What was it really all about? So why have I chosen this passage, which you might think associate with Christmas, personally? So let me take you back a few months. Tim first talked about um, inviting people to preach about God's transforming word. Choose a passage that's important to you, something from the Bible that you really want to share. You want to share its transforming power with you. So I have the pleasure of uh, regularly driving between Bath and Bristol. And uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting experience. I think my, my record so far is two and a half hours to get 13 miles. But as you come back into Bath at Brislington, there's a one-way system, and there's a church there that has a large notice board uh, which has some striking things on it. Sometimes I think, oh, that's a bit naff, that's a bit contrived, but sometimes there's something there that really strikes me and, and gets me thinking. So a couple of months ago, it had a big sign, big A3 sign, line at the top said, no God, N-O God, no love, N-O love. And underneath it, the line said, no God, K-N-O-W God, no love, K-N-O-W love. And that got me thinking, got me to think about how did I come to know God and know his love. When I was in my 20s, I did believe in God. I really wanted to know his love. I didn't understand how I could know him. How could I measure up to his high standards, keep to his strict rules? How could I really get to know this awesome and powerful God? How could I really deserve his love? Then, just over 30 years ago, in this church, somewhere on the front pews here, someone preached a sermon on John chapter one. And Keith and I had just started belonging to a small group, and we studied the passage there as well and my eyes were opened. I really began to understand for the first time what John was talking about. I began to see the good news of who Jesus is and how I couldn't really know God and know his love without knowing Jesus. As I look at this passage this morning, I'm just gonna reflect on three questions. What on earth is this word that John is talking about? How can we know this life that John tells us this word brings? And how can we share this life with others? So first, let's have a look. What is this word? John's gospel covers the same ground as the other gospels, but it is strikingly different in so many ways. There is a recurring theme of light and love. John only has eight miracles in his gospel, but six of these are only found in John's Gospel. There aren't any parable stories, but a big focus on what Jesus says when he encounters people, and in particular a record of the I am sayings of Jesus. Throughout John's Gospel, he draws the reader back to the evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. There's the testimony of John the Baptist that we saw in the passage that we read. Testimony of the Holy Spirit speaking about Jesus the testimony of his disciples, the testimony of Jesus' miracles, and finally the testimony of what had already been said about Jesus from the Old Testament. Again and again, John points us back not to abstract arguments about the nature of God, but to the person of Jesus, to his life 
as compelling proof of what God is like. Matthew and Luke start their story of Jesus' life in that very familiar way, the time of the birth, his, his birth. Mark starts at Jesus' ministry as that starts. John takes a radical approach and goes right back to the very beginning of time. John very deliberately starts with, in the beginning. The Hebrew word, bereshit. I don't know if I pronounced it right, I'm sure I'll get corrected by Hebrew scholars, but that's the Hebrew word. This would be a jolt or a surprise for his Jewish listeners and readers. It echoes the very beginning of the Old Testament, the very start of Genesis. In fact, the Hebrew name for Genesis in the Torah is Bereshit, in the beginning. He takes the reader back to the very start of life, to the time before creation, and places this story of Jesus there, in the beginning. He starts to unpack the eternal, majestic, creator nature of Jesus. The word used in this passage in Greek, logos, again, very deliberately used by John. Logos often translated as word, but it's also the root of our word logic. It has that sense of meaning, that sense of reasoning. It would have had resonance for the Jewish readers who thought of the Torah, the law, as being the source of meaning, the source of reason, God's instrument in creation, the source of life. Here, John is saying, this logos, this word, it is Jesus. Through Jesus, all things were made. God, the Word, created the world. And so I began to see, I began to have this unpacked for me. So Jesus is God and has existed as God throughout eternity and is one with the creative power of God, which brought everything in the universe into being. Jesus was with God at the beginning. The Word was God. It couldn't be any simpler, but it was also a profound mystery. When we look at the life of Jesus in this Gospel of John, what he said and what he did, we see and hear God speaking to us. He is God, he is the image of God, he fully reflects God. It's not just at the beginning of John's Gospel that we see Jesus as God. Jesus says it about himself. Each of the 21 chapters provides a striking picture of the character of Jesus and then the character of his Father. Here's a few examples of Jesus talking about his relationship with his Father. When Jesus is accused by the Jews in Jerusalem and he escapes as they try to stone him, John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. John chapter 10, verses 37 and 38, do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even if you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. When he's in Jerusalem with the disciples before the Passover, in John chapter 14, verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. So John starts with this logos, this word in these first three verses. 
but he takes that logic, that reason, that meaning with us through the rest of John's gospel. And we start to see a revelation of who God is, what he is like, how he wants to know us. It's a living testament in this life of Jesus. Look at me and you see God. Turn to me, believe in me, and you can know God. Finally, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John tells us, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life in his name. So I come to my second question. How then can I know him and the life that he says he brings? So let's have a look what John has to say in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So John is not just talking about our physical life here. He's speaking about our spiritual life. We can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. John helps us to see and understand spiritual life and death using the images of darkness and light, blindness and sight. Verses 9 to 11. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus, too, uses these images of light and darkness when he spoke about himself. He knew that everyone would not see the need to change and step into the light. In John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So light brings life. It makes seeing possible. Later in John's Gospel, Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. So how can this light and life triumph in a world where we are dead and blind to God's true nature? Let's look at verses 12 and 13 in chapter 1. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born, born of God. So it is only through Jesus that we can have this life that is the light of men. Only through him can our deadness be replaced with life and our blindness replaced by light. We have to make a choice to follow Jesus, to receive him, to believe in him. He will not force us to follow, to receive, to believe. It is our choice. Jesus shows us that this eternal life is available for all who choose to receive him. In John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him 
shall not perish, but have eternal life. N.T. Wright, the theologian and former Bishop of Durham, writing about John chapter 1, says this. Don't imagine that the world divides naturally into those who can understand what Jesus is saying and those who can't. By ourselves, none of us can. Jesus is born into a world where everyone is deaf and blind to him and what he's saying. But some, in fear and trembling, allow his words to challenge, to rescue, to heal and to transform them. That is what's on offer. Not a better focused religion for those who already like that sort of thing, but a word which is incomprehensible in our language, but which, when we learn to hear, to understand and believe it, will transform our whole lives through its judgment and mercy. Have you heard that word? Are you hearing God speaking to you, calling you to follow him? Do you need to take that step and ask Jesus? Do come and speak to, my, to me or to Tim after the service. We'd really love to pray with you and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. So how do we share this story of grace and truth that comes from the word? As we've seen, John set out from the beginning of his gospel to point to Jesus, the Son of God. That, that verse from John chapter 20 again, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may, may have life in his name. So how do we tell this story of Jesus to others? Our own personal experience of God has a powerful impact on others. Everyone who's taken that step of faith to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and received his grace and mercy has a personal story to tell. What is your story? Are you ready to share it with others? I've shared how over 30 years ago, despite having a lot of head knowledge about Jesus, I was still deaf and blind to what he was really saying, who he really was, and what I needed to do to know his love. Someone took the time to explain to me that if I wanted to know God, I had to do that by knowing Jesus. It was then up to me to take that step of faith, to say, I turn to you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness and your mercy. I made that step of faith and stepped out of the darkness and into the light, but that was only the very beginning of my journey. It hasn't meant I've had a life of ease and no difficulties, but it does mean I've had a life where God has been with me through all the ups and downs, walking alongside me with his grace and his love, leading me onwards to his heavenly home. I have this story to share with others that they might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing they may have life in his name. I want to share another person's story of experiencing God's grace and truth and how they shared their personal experience of Jesus with you this morning. 
Born in 1725, John Newton was raised by a devout nonconformist mother who read the Bible to him and prayed with him. Sadly, she died when he was just seven. At the age of 11, he followed his father, who was a merchant sea captain, out to sea. He had a difficult time, press ganged into the Royal Navy, court-martialed, demoted for desertion, living a dissolute and sinful life. He described himself later as the great blasphemer. He continued his seafaring life, ending up as a crew member on a slave ship trading in West Africa. And finally, in 1748, his father sent a boat to find him and to bring him home. On the 10th of March, 1748, the boat was caught up in a storm off the coast of Ireland, and the storm raged for 11 hours. He battled against the storm up on deck, steering through the terrifying wind and rain. Finally, unable to bear it any longer, he cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. He marked this moment as a turning point in his life, a realisation of how distant he was from God, how much he needed God's mercy, forgiveness and grace. It was the start of a long journey with God for him. He continued to live, go to sea, eventually becoming the captain of a slave ship. But he started to pray regularly, read, study his Bible. And eventually, when he returned to England, after a long struggle trying to find support, he studied theology and was finally ordained. He became an influential preacher, a teacher, an ardent anti-slavery campaigner, supporting and encouraging amongst others, William Wilberforce. In 1773, nearly 25 years after his first experience of receiving God's grace and truth, he wrote this hymn for his congregation. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. He simply shared his personal experience of being lost and separated from God and how he had found God's grace and truth and how his life had been transformed. His hymn remains a powerful testament today, nearly 250 years later, a picture of the transforming power of God's grace when we choose to believe in Jesus. So I've asked you three questions and I have three challenges for you to ponder. What is this word? If you haven't done it recently, I'd really encourage you to read through the whole of John's Gospel. Can you see the theme of the word, the Logos, woven through John's Gospel? As Jesus calls his first disciples, turns water into wine, stands condemned before Pilate, is crucified and rises again, can you see what it means when the word of God becomes flesh and dwells among us? My second question was, how can you know this life? As I challenged you earlier, do you hear God speaking to you now, shining his light into your darkness? Do you want to turn to him, to believe in him, to receive him? Please don't leave today without having a chance to talk to somebody about that. And finally, what is your story of God's grace and truth? Are you ready to share your experience of knowing Jesus with others? How can your experience of being lost and found, blind and seeing, 
help others believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. How can you help others to see Jesus and lead them to believe in him and so to have eternal life?